Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live or connect with us on Facebook. As you're standing today, grab your, grab your Bible or your device and open with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, we realize uh, uh, there are more graduates sometimes than we can catch or recognize, but this is uh, faith youth, those that are part of our, our faith youth ministry and uh, others that are here. We are just so grateful and excited for what God is going to accomplish in your life. We are in a series called Arsenal, and we've been looking over the last couple of weeks at operating in the gifts of the Spirit. And uh, Arsenal just simply means an array of resources that are made available for a specific purpose. The purpose is to build up the body of Christ. The resources are the gifts of the Spirit. There's an arsenal available to us. And Paul has just written to the uh, church in in Corinth, and he's telling them uh, about the spiritual gifts. He gets to chapter 12, and he lists the spiritual gifts. He lists nine of those. And uh, as he gets to the end of listing the, the, the gifts or the spiritual gifts that are meant for the church to help build up the church, things like Words of knowledge, wisdom, miracles, healings, tongues, interpretation, prophecy, faith, these gifts that are given. He then makes this statement. He says, it is God alone who determines who gets what gift. It's God alone who determines who gets what gift. With that, he goes into this this writing, this teaching on the body of Christ. We'll look at this today, starting in verse 12 of chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. If you're ready, say, let's go. Here we go. The Bible says the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up the whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves or indentured servants or those who voluntarily serve. I want you to recognize and know that slaves, as you hear in Scripture, is not the same as what we know in modern history, in in our understanding. It's not the same. And so it is those who are voluntary servants. And he says, whether you are slaves or free, we are all baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts. Look at your neighbor and tell them you're different. Not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the foot, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important uh, actually are the most necessary. Just ask your thumb. Try and do something without your thumb, right? And the parts that we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with greatest, with greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen. Cover up your belly. Ain't nobody want to see that. <laughs> While the more honorable parts do not require this special care, so God has put the body together 
such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is part of it. Each of us together are part of the body of Christ. Paul is giving this picture of the gifts in operation. They flow in unity and in oneness as we are the body of Christ moving together. We are not the church of the first left arms. We need the whole body. We need the whole body. Look at your neighbor today and tell them, you're different and I need you. You're different and I need you. So, Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the gift that you've given to each of us in one another. Now, bless this time. Give us insight and lead us by your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. If you agree with that today, say amen. Amen. And you may be seated. Let me just do a quick review on this series that we're in, Arsenal, the gifts of the spirit in operation. A couple foundations that we laid. We're into week four of this. We laid some foundations. Number one, the gifts are still for today. The gifts did not end with the apostles. This is not something of the past. This is still something prevalent today. The same power that raised Christ from the dead, filled the the disciples on the day of Pentecost, is the same power that is in operation in the church today. Is there anyone alive with the power of God and moving in the spirit of God that he has caused us to be alive? The gifts are still for today. Number two, the gifts are for everyone who is a follower of Jesus Christ. This is not for a select group of people, everyone. Your gift will not be the same as we'll, as we'll look in today's message, but your gift is, is going to be different, but everyone has a gift. We also said that as we pursue God, we, we have an invitation. They're not forced on us. God is not gonna force himself on you. He's giving you and I an invitation to partner with him, to come into partnership with what his spirit is doing. And so by that, he gives us the desires of our heart. And so if we're going to pursue God, if we're going to walk in the gifts, we have to, des- we have to desire those things. If you want to know where your heart is headed, look at the, the desires of your heart. Whatever the desires of your heart is, that's the direction of your heart. And so there has to be that desiring of him. It's, it's an invitation as we pursue him. He's not going to force them on us, but we pursue it. We said last week that it's natural that when you have a significant interaction with something, it's natural for us to have a passionate expression. When you go to a restaurant that you like, it's natural for you to tell somebody how much you enjoyed that restaurant. It's in the natural. And so therefore in the spiritual, it's natural for us to have a significant encounter with the presence of God that is now recognized by an outward expression, a passionate expression. And in the scriptures, we know this as those who are filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, who receive the power of God's spirit, they speak in tongues. It says they either spoke in tongues, they prophesied, or they worship. It is without a doubt an indication because the Bible makes it clear. Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you want to know the desires and what's happening on the inside, if you want to know where your heart is going, look at your desires. And if you, know what, if you want to know what's really in there, look at what comes out of your mouth. And so there is this expression of worship. And so when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, it causes us to speak in languages that are not our own, in a prophecy that we couldn't come up with but is known by God, or in worship, and it's not a level of worship of just I love you, but to worship with the angels in, in the heavens that we can, we can experience the presence of God on this earth through the power of the Holy Spirit. How many are thankful for the power of the Holy Spirit who's at work in our lives to lead and direct us in every 
way and in every direction. So I want to look today, and uh, I want to share from this, top, this title simply this, separate but the same. You and I are separate, but we're the same. There is this separation that God has in us because we're unique. I don't have to tell you today, you're sitting by someone who's unique. You're sitting by someone today who thinks different than you, looks different than you, acts different than you, has a different personality than you. You're sitting by someone who is different than you. I thank God for the difference that he's made in the body of Christ. It is by design that you and I are made differently. It was not just something that happened accidentally. God created us in his image differently, but with the same spirit that he's allowed us to operate and come together. I don't have to tell us that we're different and we realize that, but wouldn't you recognize that oftentimes when we see difference, we allow defenses to rise where there's differences. Too often differences becomes an indication or, or becomes a response of defense that rises up in us. Let's be honest. We become leery of people who look different than us, act different than us, think different than us, that have different responses than us. If we're being honest, we don't immediately embrace difference. The first thing we do is we look with a sense of caution. Is there anyone in the room who would acknowledge and admit that difference is not something that easily is embraced? It's something we look at with caution. And I realize that there is in us this, this need to have some caution. We need to have wisdom. I think this is also within the gifts of the Spirit that God says that part of the gift of the Spirit is discernment of spirits, that we can discern the spirits and we can, we can know when to be guarded and when to embrace but maybe sometimes we need to learn that the differences are not just there because they exist, but God did it on design, and God gave us the ability to interact with each other with different perspectives. Now, let me set this groundwork, and that is this. We're going to talk about the body of Christ being in operation, that in order for the gifts of the Spirit to do what they're meant to do, to build up the church, to edify the church, and to exalt Jesus, that only happens through love and unity. But I want us to understand, love is not at the center. If we don't identify what's at the center, then we will be in a place of love, 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 love. How many know the world wants love but doesn't know where it comes from? And so the, Lord, the world is trying to recreate or define what love is. It's the same as if you have truth, but if everybody has truth, how many know you've already negated the fact that there's any truth? If there's a bunch of truth, there's no truth. The same idea that love, you can't just love in any expression. Love is from God because God is love. If we're going to have love and, and we're going to see the work of God operate in our lives, Christ has to be at the center of it all. Jesus said, I am the, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If we're going to have love and love is the door for us to experience all that God has for us, how many know that door needs to be held by a hinge? That hinge is truth. The truth is Jesus. Jesus says, I am the door. I'm the way. I'm the one. I'm the standard. You and I cannot make up a standard of truth. We have to recognize that truth is held at the threshold of who is Jesus Christ. He is the door. He's the way. We cannot have love and we cannot have truth apart from Jesus Christ. That was an easy place to say amen. So if you, if you, if you're in that was just a spot that just so simple. But we have to know the love is the door that opens up for you and I to experience what God has for us, but it has to be built and established on truth. Jesus is truth. And the world is looking for love, 
but the world is trying to redefine love, and you can't redefine love because love is already established that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And in 1 John chapter 3, it says of God, God is love. It all starts with him. It all begins with him. This wasn't made up. We didn't throw God in the story along the way. God was from the very beginning. He put us in his story. We didn't put God in our story. He put us in his story. This is his story he's writing and he's putting together and we get to play a part of this and what he's doing is with all these differences. Paul is reiterating over and over again. If you look at this chapter, Paul says different gifts, same spirit. Over and over, Paul says different gifts, same spirit. Different gifts, same spirit. We are separate but the same. He's, he's reiterating this over and over again because he's recognizing that the difference is by design. If the church is going to operate effectively in the gifts of the Spirit, then we, are need, we need to go, go, we need to be at a place that we're learning how to handle the differences that we have with love and unity. We're going to have to learn how to handle our differences in a place of love and unity with Christ at the center. There's some things we have to be able to say to one another if the gifts of the Spirit are going to flow in a free place and will do the the work that God has called for it to do to build one another up. I don't know what your gift is. You have a different gift than I do, but the same Spirit gave you that gift. And because it's the same Spirit, it's for the same purpose and what God wants to accomplish. There's some things we've got to learn how to say to one another. Here's number one. We've got to learn how to say to one another, your difference is my gift. Just look at your neighbor right now and tell them, your difference is my gift. Because you're different, that is a gift to me. It's a gift that is given. You and I are different And God has made us in this way actually as a gift. I wonder sometimes if we're rejecting the gift that God has for us. I wonder if we're rejecting the gift that God has because it doesn't look like I'm I'm used to. It doesn't sound. It's not the same. Notice this. When you get more of the same, you get more of you. When you get more of the same, you get more of you. But when you get something different, you get more of God. Because if God reveals himself to me in the same way, then how many know I know God on that level? But if I'm gonna know God on a different level, I'm probably gonna have to know him and perceive him and see him in a different way. Is there anyone who would recognize that it's the different things that God exposes me to and brings me through that he allows me to experience him on a different measure, a different, different level? I've gotta be at a place that I've gotta be open to new things. But remember, the door swings on Jesus as the hinge and the center. Don't just look for anything that is not Jesus at the center because if it's just anything, you can find anything new all over the place. But we're talking about what God wants us to experience in him. For some of us, the operating in the gifts of the spirit, this is new. We're we're maybe from church backgrounds where we're not used to this. Praying in the spirit, praying in tongues, laying on of hands, praying for healing. There might be some things we're not used to. And just because you're not used to it, don't shut the door on what God has for you. And just because you've had the door open up to you, don't think you've already got it all figured out. Because there's more that God wants to reveal and what God wants to open up to us. And if we're going to experience God in a greater measure, we're going to have to experience him in ways, not just ways that are different, but on different levels, different encounters that he's going to reveal himself to us. And he's going to do that because we can embrace each other's differences. You are different. Here's the problem. What we do too often is where there's differences, defenses rise up. Because in us, we become protectant and it becomes our desire and we don't even realize we're doing this. My desire or my call is to help you become like me. So when we meet people who are different than us, 
Sometimes the danger is we set in mode, well, it's my job to fix them. Too many marriages started out that way. It's my job to fix you. It's my job to change the way you think, the way you act. It's my job to change you. The problem with that attitude is the standard of trying to change somebody is based on me. The goal then is to make you become like me. What if both of us need to change and become more like Jesus? And you're in my life to help me learn how to become more like Jesus. If you want to know, if you want to become more like Jesus, let me say this to you, all the graduates in the room. If you want all the time in the world to just dedicate yourself to the dreams that God has given you to run with everything you've got and to just focus solely on what he's given you, stay single. But if you want to learn how to love like Jesus, get married. Oh, come on now. I know that opens up to a whole other door of what we, what we can talk about. But how many know that's true? I have not learned how to love like Jesus more than learning how to love my wife. And it's not because she's hard to love. She's different than me. There was a breakthrough in our marriage whenever we learned. <laughs> she might say, yeah, when you learned. No, 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 no. When we learned, <laughs> when we learned to embrace each other's difference. Because it's your difference that teaches me to see God in a greater way. Now listen, if you and I are standing around something that we can look at, and if we're standing around a, a piece of, of art or, or something, I, I don't even know what's in the middle, and we're all standing around and we're looking at it, everyone has a perspective. And you have a perspective from where you are. And someone over on this circle, the side of the circle, has a perspective from where they are. And you know what we tend to do? We tend to stand where we are and argue with the person where they are and say, no, that's not what it is. It's this. No, it's not that. How about no one's wrong? We're both right. But we don't know how to do that because we're more focused on being right than being effective. I need to be justified before I can be moving forward. I've got to have my justification. And maybe instead of it's my way, it is God help me to see what it is you're revealing. What if God's wanting to reveal something in the moment that he's brought something different? Our world over the last year had a lot of opportunity to be revealed to some different things. 2021, if you didn't get to see God in a greater way, you missed the opportunity. Because there were many moments of division, disappointment, misunderstandings, not seeing it. And instead of standing where we are and making the objective, it, God gave us the ability to have a different perspective so that we could learn and not think we have it all, know it all, or are everything. Because you and I are not enough to contain the power and the presence of God. I want you to see what God did on the day of Pentecost. We sometimes miss this. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit fell, the King James Version says, cloven tongues of fire. And if you don't know the old English of cloven tongues, you're like, were they little, you know, clover leaves that just fell in the shape of, or fire in the shape of a clover? Cloven tongues of fire. The New, the, the new International Version says this, that, it, the, that the, the fire separated and fell on them. In Acts chapter 2, as, as they were in the, in the presence of God, the Holy Spirit fell on them. The Bible says that it separated. Now, some translations don't pick this up, but it's in the original, and the original Greek word literally means this, that to be, this word means to be cut up and distributed among people. So the presence or the power of God that came from heaven was cut up. God is not divided because God is not a God of division. 
He did not divide himself, he distributed himself. And when he distributed himself, he gave his spirit the same one. Different, but the same. Different, but the same. Did you hear that? Different, but the same. And he, he divided, or he, it better yet, he, he caused a place of giving different, different gifts and things to people that he caused there to be a, not a dividing or separating, just separating to cut it and make it weaker, but God knew you and I could not contain all of God in one place. If the earth is not enough to contain the presence of God, if, if, if the Lord said, where can I dwell on the earth? Is there a place that can contain me? He lives inside of us, but guess what? He lives in me, and I know him to the full extent of his power and his glory, but the more of God is revealed when I'm in relationship and operation with you because I don't contain all of God and you don't contain all of God if we did then we'd miss the part where no eye has seen no ear has heard no mind can fully comprehend all that God has in store for us you know why because you and I can only contain a measure how many know when we get to heaven we're going to see him like and know him the way we're known and how many are recognizing when you get to heaven your eyes are going to be open to something far greater and even more than you could even ask think hope or imagine how many believe that then in that perspective, we've got to live with the understanding that we, that, that we live in this, this recognition that God has, has given us a portion. Yes, we have all of his glory. But he gave me and he gave you. And in order for it to operate completely, the body of Christ has to be together. And that's where the fullness of his glory will be manifested on the earth. He's not looking at, now that's not saying I need a certain number, I need a certain, because he told 500 to wait for the gift in Jerusalem and only 120 remained. So this isn't a, a moment of we gotta make sure we have quota. No, this is the invitation's gone out and whosoever will, when we operate in the oneness and the fullness of what God has, greater things occur. Why Jesus, the, the Bible says this in Psalms, it says that where there is unity, there he will command a blessing. That when unity flows, it is the place that he'll command his blessing. Your gift is different than mine. And I need your gift because it was separated or distributed in different ways. You and I are, are of the same spirit, but different gifts. And if I'm going to know God differently, if I'm going to know him more, then it's going to be because of our interaction, our growth, and God exposes us to one another to the things that he's revealing. And when it all, it's all said and done, we know Jesus better because we've learned how to operate in unity and oneness and the gifts of the Spirit flow in that place of oneness. That you're different and we've got to learn to embrace this and we recognize. And I, I want you to remember, the door is love, the hinge is Jesus. This is not make up your own truth and we just love everybody. This is Jesus is at the center. He's the door that everything's held to. We, we've got to learn how to say your difference is a gift to me. If somebody has a different way of thinking than you do, God help us to learn to not immediately allow threat and division or defense to rise up, but to say, Holy Spirit, what do you want to show me in this moment? What is it that you want to reveal to me in this opportunity? What do you want me to learn, to grow, to develop? And here's number two. We've got to learn how to say this. We're on the same team. Look, look at your neighbor today and tell them we're on the same team. If you're a football fan, you're probably a Steeler fan because is there really any other? And I happen to say that when there's Wisconsin people in the room. So to uh, Joy's dad, I apologize. But uh, welcome to Pittsburgh, Steeler country. Uh, <laughs> uh, you showed the picture too early. Put it away. <laughs> uh, 
the Steelers had a great start. It was a great start to the season, a wonderful start, and everybody talked that this is the team that's going to run. It's great until they met a team without a name. The Washington football team all of a sudden turned things around. If you remember last season, the Steelers lost that game and then were in a spiral. Their downward spiral or the the indication that they were falling apart was not because of the back-to-back losses. They had the back-to-back losses and still made it to the playoffs. The issue wasn't the back-to-back losses. It was identified when the fight broke out on the sidelines against the Steelers. Show the video or show the picture now. Uh, This happens. There there you go. And uh, a fight breaks out on the sidelines of the Steelers as they're playing the Cleveland Browns. When a fight breaks out on your own team, that's when you know we're not going too good. When the fight breaks out, okay, we want to forget that moment. Go ahead and put that away. You can get rid of that. When, when there is a fight on the, on the own sideline, there's a issue. Paul says this, when, part, when one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part is honored, all the parts are honored with it. The essence of a team is that we win or lose together. That there is this, when you're down, I'm going to get down to help pick you up. And if I'm down, I hope you get down to help pick me up. But here's the thing. I don't want you to do it in your natural strength. I want you to do it in the spiritual, the power of the Holy Spirit that God gives you. Here's what we've done. We've created in benevolence and in our way of of helping, we've become help to one another. And when we help in our own strength, then it requires us to carry that person. But when we honor and operate in the power of the Holy Spirit, now we minister in what we can give. Yes, a cup of cold water, but how many know a cup of cold water in Jesus' name causes that cup of cold water to not just refresh them in the moment, but to now enable them to know the power of God to be able to rise up and not have to remain in their place. What we said before, the pivot of the church is that the church cannot just be a place where broken people come, but where healed people are sent. It's not just, and when when we operate in the power of the Holy Spirit, we help people and we minister to people, not just in a place of of ministering and giving in moments of need when someone's down, getting down when someone's down, but doing so in the power and and the gift of the Holy Spirit so that we can not just serve them in the moment, but operate in the power of the Holy Spirit that gives them something far more than just what they need for a moment. Does that make sense? when we can operate in the power and the presence of God that allows us to be transformed, to be made new, that when we're down, we move to a place. This, it's important for us to recognize that this is a team and we're not a solo act. And the answer to whether or not you're on the team is determined by what winning looks like to you. If you're on the team, it's determined by what does winning look like to you and the objective or what is the objective or the goal of your life of your day, or of your worship? What is the objective? What, what drives us? If we don't have the same goal, then we're not on the same team. I didn't say if we don't have the same role. Everyone on the team has a different role. But even if you're on a place of playing on this side of the field, your job might look different than the person on the other side of the field, but your role is different, but the goal is working together so that the task can be accomplished, so something can be won, so something can be advanced. So what's the goal? The goal is to build up the body of Christ so Jesus can be glorified. That when we live in this purpose, this is the desire. The goal is to build up the body of Christ. And what we have to ask ourselves is, are we on the team or do we have a whole separate goal? 
Is our goal to be seen? Is our goal to get, get accolade? Is our goal to feel good? Is our goal to get something accomplished for us? What is the goal? And the goal has to tie to the body of Christ being built up so that Jesus can be exalted. Paul said in verse 21, the eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. The head cannot speak to the feet of saying, you don't matter to me because we're on the same team. It is an awkward thing whenever the body destroys itself. Now, I've grown up in church since I was two years old. And so I can say this with some, with some understanding and some recognition that sometimes in the church, we can be so spiritual, and in being so spiritual, we can be so demeaning and hurtful to broken people. Because we tell the world what we're against. And we let everybody know what we don't stand for. I remember as a young youth pastor, I was taking our students to Carlisle, Pennsylvania for a youth camp. And it was obvious that we're a church. It said Faith Assembly on the side of the, on the, side of the van. And as we we're driving, we stop at a rest stop. Students are getting whatever snacks and drinks. And I'm there. A gentleman watches me get out of the vehicle. And he says, are, are you a pastor? I said, yeah, I'm a youth pastor. And we have this conversation Nice gentleman, we're talking, and uh, he says to me, he's much older than me, he says, young man, and he starts to tear up, he said, um, let me just remind you, he said, try and lead in a way that you don't cut people when they're down. He leads into his story that he was a pastor, he was an Assemblies of God pastor, and as an Assemblies of God pastor, he had a moral failure. And when he had a moral failure, it was this moment that everything came out against him. And he said, in the place that I was at my weakest when I needed the body of Christ, he said, the body of Christ just pulled out their sword and stabbed me. My heart broke for the man. He said, I'm healed because of Jesus. But he said, but maybe your generation can lead to where we can allow healing and not tearing down. That stuck with me. I drive by that rest stop. In fact, I'll probably drive by it this week because I've got meetings out that way. And I drive by that rest stop and it reminds me, God, let us be a place of healing. Let us be a place where we reach out to the hurting, the broken, not to cover up, not to make everything just be okay, but to reach out with the love of Christ to help rise because how many know we need the body of Christ? You're different and I need you. We need the body of Christ in operation. Let me give you number three. God's assignment is my contentment. We've got to learn how to say I'm content. The assignment that God has given me, look at your neighbor today and tell him I'm content. I want to wrap this up. It's necessary for you and I to know the role that God has given us and to not try and take someone else's. Don't do what God did not, get, not anoint and gift you to do. Do what God called you to do. David went out to fight Goliath. And before he went to fight Goliath, Saul said to him, here's my armor. And along with it came a sword and came spear, came resources. But David knew he wasn't a sword and a spear kind of guy. David knew he was a slingshot guy. And so David went out with what looked like less and David accomplished something great, not because of what he had, 
but because, not because of the resource or, or the, the tools that he tried to use, but he used what God had already given him and he knew who he was. And because he knew who he was, God enabled him. It might just be a slingshot, but there's a God who knows how to order that stone to land right where it needs to land. So don't try and carry someone else's armor when God has given you a slingshot to just wield and use with what God has given you. Know the gifts that God has given you. Be content in those places. Here's where discontentment comes in. Discontentment happens when we fall into competition or comparison. When we fall into competition or comparison, this is when discontentment begins to happen in our lives. Competition is this. Competition is when we need to be seen as better than. Does anybody know anyone competitive? Competitive people will say, I don't need to be seen. Yes, you do. Be honest with yourself. Let's just be honest. Competitive people are in a place of I need to be seen as better. And here's what it is. I need recognition. But people who are in comparison have their own issues. And in comparison, I need to feel better. Therefore, I need reassurance. I need reassurance. I need to feel better than, so I need reassurance. Or I need to be better than, so I need to be at a place of recognition. But I want us to encourage us today that we don't need, we, we don't need recognition or reassurance because we already know we have the power of the Holy Spirit. The resurrection power of God is in me. So because the resurrection power is in me, I don't need recognition and I don't need reassurance because I know who I am in Christ. And when I become content and complete, in him, that makes all the difference. Things get out of hand and get messed up when God begins to do something great because somebody needs recognized in that moment. When recognition rises to the place, there have been moves of God that have been in a place that could have, could have continued. We needed recognition. Can I just give you one right to the heart of history? Azusa Street. In 1906, as Azusa Street, or the early 1900s, Azusa Street, a great move of God on the West Coast, it was the Pentecostal revival that hit our land. The assemblies of God were birthed out of there. Four Square Gospel, all of these movements, but also out of that came the church of God in Christ. And the reason we had to have two denominations that were the church of God in Christ is because the white people in the assemblies of God didn't know how to work with the black people in the church of, Christ, in the church of God in Christ. And so because they were all the same, but because they didn't know how to let down their own agendas and their own way of seeing things, they had to have two different organizations. But thanks be to Jesus Christ, it is now coming back together that there's a healing in a place of wholeness. Now you say... Jason, are you saying history's bad and we throw out history? Absolutely not. We hold on to history. We don't throw it away, but we recognize this. We are flawed, imperfect people who are held together only by the grace of God. And if we're not careful, we'll become history repeating itself if we need to have our way more than his way. We will be history repeating itself if we need to have our way more than his way. I start working with churches, and you know what questions come up? Well, what if people start going to that church and not your church? I don't care because it's not my recognition. It's the kingdom of God. The moment I need recognition is the moment that you'll squelch and miss the presence of God and the work of God that he wants to accomplish. And so there's always on this guard Competitive people, be guard, because you'll want recognition. And in comparison people, here I am. Comparison people, be on guard, because you'll want reassurance. 
There's a reason why I like to hear my wife say how much she liked my sermons. I pay her, and so it helps. <laughs> why? Because there's this in me that wants reassurance. And you know what I have to learn to do by the Spirit of God is put that in check because I don't need reassurance. I already have the resurrection power of God in me. Because the more I live for reassurance or the more I live for, re- for recognition, I get out of balance and I begin to miss or I begin to shut off the valve of what God wants to accomplish in my life. I now get in the way. If we can learn anything of history, man messes up what God tries to beautify. Look at the garden. God gives us something beautiful and we take it to make it look like us. And how many know? They messed it up. But God's grace allows us to not need, and this is, this is operating the power of the Holy Spirit. Church, I want you to know the power of the Holy Spirit doesn't just make, allow me to speak in tongues. The power of the Holy Spirit allows me to stop my tongue when I want recognition or I want reassurance, and now the flesh starts to operate. The Spirit of God quickens me and says, quit thinking in the flesh and think in the Spirit. That's the power of the Holy Spirit, that I can speak in tongues not, and not better than anyone else. But I can operate in the gift that God has given me that allows me to pray in a language that is not my own. But that same spirit quickens me so that I can recognize, oh God, help me to be in check. Help me not hinder what it is your spirit wants to do. God will pour out his spirit if we don't need to get the recognition. He'll move in ways if we don't have to get the credit. It's not about us. We want everybody to know about Faith Assembly. I love Faith Assembly. If y'all know anything, I love this church. I love this place. 22 years of being friends and family here. I love this place. But I love the kingdom of God more than I love Faith Assembly. I love the body of Christ. I love Father John who moved to Texas but was pastoring the Episcopal Church here in town and having lunch with him one day I I showed up in my polo shirt he showed up in his collar and I said to him I said uh, do you ever get tired it was a hot day do you ever get tired of wearing that collar he said some days he said but I've learned to embrace it he said because every day I wake up and I put on the collar he said I hold it and I ask myself am I ready to be identified with Christ today I said, man, you got an extra collar laying around? Can I, can I get one of those? Can I? Are we willing to put on and be identified? It's not me. I want to be recognized with Christ. That Jesus be glorified. Here's the last one. You make me better. Just look at your neighbor. Tell him you make me better. I'm glad you can say that to them, but I want to ask you, can they say that back to you? That we would make one another better in Christ. That we operate together and we flow in this place. You see, there, the body is made up of the head and it's made up of the body. The head is Jesus. The body is everyone else. I thank God that we are not a church that is just a whole bunch of right legs and left arms. Probably wouldn't want to get along with the left. We're all right arms, so. I'm so glad we're a body that's not just 
right-handed or left-handed, but we're a body that has Jesus as the head. And when the body flows and moves, it's not just because the head has connection to the individual parts. That matters. And I'm not a doctor and I'm not trying to be all scientific because I don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to that. But you realize it's not just that the head interacts with individual parts that makes the body move. It's that the individual parts interact together. It's not just interaction with the head. Jesus said this, if you say you love God who you can't see, but you don't love your brother who you can see, it's not individual interaction with the head. It is first interaction with the head, but it's also interaction with the body. That the head can't say to the foot, I don't need you, or the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. That we need the body of Christ. I, have you ever watched a, da- a dance group that moved in such succinctness that they were all in motion and it looked fluid? I don't know how to dance. I would never try to. That's even ugly to think about. But there is an impressive thing that happens when there is a motion that everyone moves together. How many know what I'm talking about? I can speak to this one. I, I've been uh, watching uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the college World Series, softball World Series, which you're like, you watch girls softball. You should watch these girls play softball. There was this play that was made, diving catch. Obviously, you can see it in the majors, but it's ha- I just watched it the other day, and this diving catch from shortstop that into, into the outfield, just past the grass, it was impressive. And everybody talked about what a great glove she has. Do you realize that glove would not have gotten to that ball But no one stood there and was like, yeah, and how about her left pinky? How about her knees as they bent? We don't talk about, but that glove didn't just get there on its own. That glove got there because there was a feet, there were feet and there were knees and everything that moved at just the right time, at just the right moment. The eye on the ball, well, the eye can't catch that ball. You know, they, they, you, you, you play baseball and this is how you teach every kid to hit. Keep your eye on the ball till the kids are like. I mean, probably the worst advice for T-ball. Keep your eye on the ball. I mean, because really, what can your eye do? Your eye can't swing or do anything. But what? It recognizes that the body works together when everything comes in sequence. Here's what it is. The body of Christ becomes fluid and in motion and ready for God's spirit to flow freely and to be carried on his church, the bride of Christ. How many know that we are the bride of Christ and Jesus is coming back and may we carry him 